Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So today's topic is tryhards with an S at the end, <laughs> which I, I think refers to some people. And I'm really interested by what, what you meant, because that was the term you were using. And uh, let's talk more about tryhards and what to do about them. Yeah. So tryhards is like a bit of internal jargon that I have. And it, it comes from the experience I've had at many different companies uh, about a certain type of person I tend to find. And I'll tell you this, this came to mind recently because I, I read a, a blog article uh, on called The Four Hobbies and Apparent Expertise. And it was that apparent expertise part that uh, caught my attention. In the article- The link they, will they be made, in the show notes, of course. Go ahead. Of course, yeah. So this came off of um, Hacker News where I came across it. That, and there's a discussion about how for any given hobby, there, there are people who are into the hobby and people who are into the gear. And then the people who are into actually doing the thing. And then there's people who are about discussing the thing. <laughs> and the, and then the, you end up with this kind of strange thing where the people who are most into doing the hobby have the most expertise on doing it. But they also have the least visibility in the community. The people who have the most visibility are people who are into discussing the gear online. <laughs> so, and, and so this is kind of true for different hobbies. I think uh, cycling or, or photography are, are, are class examples, but it also makes links to programming and, and practitioners. And this tension between expertise and visibility is really what brought to me sort of traumatic memories of this tryhard type persona. And, and so what this is, is, is someone who has been made themselves very visible to uh, usually management, often founders or executives, and uh, because they're 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 really hard workers, and they're always volunteering to to do the dirty work. So if there's some project, you know, they're they're stepping forward and willing to put in whatever time and effort it takes. But the the challenge is they're in my experience, this this type of person is defined both by that characteristic and also at the same time being not very good at their job. Oh no, not <laughs> yeah, a good so, combination. Not a good combination. And now there's there's nothing wrong with people who are, you know, maybe being not very good at their job who could get better. But the problem is there's two misjudgments going on here, which is both the, the manager or leader believing the person is an expert and the person themselves believing they're an expert. So there's this miscalibration between their ability and their actual ability. And, I, and really, that's what this sort of uh, tension between visibility and expertise, where the, the people who actually are really good are, are over you know, at their desk and they're busy working and getting stuff done rather than uh, maybe being as visible to executives and managers and leaders. So and, and the people that was who the... aren't very good and know it are busy learning from the people who are very good and aren't um, uh, uh, mis being misjudged. And therefore, they're, yeah. they're, they're not as challenging. Whereas this person, the tryhard, is yeah. doing a lot, being very visible, looking like, for all the world, like they're really competent. But uh, a practitioner actually knows. Wait a minute, this person doesn't doesn't actually have the skill. Have I got it right? Exactly right. And you know, because it, it can be a case where the, maybe there's a, a manager who has this trait, uh, or who doesn't have the trait, who, who maybe is not as good at the, the work, but they know it. They they're they're able to understand their limitations, and they can be very good at delegating, very effective at bringing their team in, at listening and gaining advice, getting input from others who have more expertise. That can be really valuable. But that's the the, the tragedy here is someone who is is not aware of their their relative lack of competence and it can be just very painful for the organization and especially for the people who are stuck reporting to them and uh, so i thought it was worth talking about this uh, model of this thing can happen and in particular to say well 
you know, this is something that can happen. So if you're a leader, uh, an executive, a founder, whatever, how do you, how do you make sure you're not making this mistake? How do you make sure you're not miscalibrated of the people you're putting trust into? And, uh, I, I have a, something that we've talked about in the past that, that for me, the, the approach is around predictions. So, so wait a minute, who, who predicts something? So is it, is it somebody outside the team who, who sets a deadline or, or what do you mean by a prediction? No, no, it's, um, it's the, the, the idea is, is soliciting from the people doing the work, what their predictions are of, of, of how long things will take or what they expect to have happened next. Ah, I, there's, there's a trick here because the, the, this is going to distinguish these different groups. So the people who already know they're not competent and are trying to learn will, will give a not very confident prediction. The people who are really competent will give a confident prediction and deliver on it. And the people who are tryhards will give a confident prediction and not deliver on it. And not deliver. Exactly. Yeah. And that's right. you can get those three different groups and the, the people who are, who know they're not very good, they'll probably say like, well, I'll need to talk to the team and get back to you. <laughs> Where, whereas the, the person who's the tryhard will say like, oh no, I, we, we, we can definitely get that done in, in three days. And then when it takes three weeks, you realize, okay, there's a miscalibration here. There we go. And I, I want to insert something here just to make sure people don't misunderstand. There's a different group here that I don't think you're talking about, Jeffrey, tell me if I'm wrong, which is people who are malicious. They know they're not very good and they're playing corporate politics and they're um, trying to mislead other people into believing that they're good. This is a person who has uh, every positive intent in the world, who's trying hard and working hard and probably eating a lot of pizza in the office late at night uh, in order to get something (laughs) done, which they think is really important. So they're really committed. They care. And that's actually worse because the corporate politician is a little easier to catch. <laughs> they're 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 trying to fool you. They at least know. Whereas this person has fooled themselves and yes. is giving all the signals of being really competent and and, and super, but um, it, detecting them is hard. Uh, you've described a kind of filter that um, that they they can't avoid, and, and it'll become evident to them as well, which I think will be very helpful for for addressing the problem once you discover it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and to me, the, the idea about doing this is the, the value of these predictions is to me, this is kind of a learning cycle that can work for everyone. So there's, it's, this is not limited to uh, detecting tryhards. This is generally a valuable thing, in, in part because you know, not, not all the predictions will go according to plan, and that's okay, but we get to learn then, well, what happened, what, what came up, what allowed us to succeed, and uh, what, what then prevented us from succeeding. We can, we can learn on both sides. So really, this is about making predictions and then following up with a retrospective, asking, well, how did things go according to predictions? And, and that's, a, I think, a generally speaking, a good practice and can drive a lot of, a lot of learning. And it also has the benefit here of, of detecting these people who can otherwise be, be difficult to detect. And, and helping them to detect themselves. Because one of the worst things yes. is to discover that you are a tryhard. And to, to have <laughs> believed that you were doing something competently for a long time, and suddenly you discovered this happened to me at graduate school, for example. Um, I thought I was uh, absolutely wonderful at mathematics, and no one could touch me. And I met some people who left me in the dust. I, I could hardly add compared to them. And um, that that was a uh, bit rude awakening for me. It would have been more helpful to come to that realization through um, <laughs> learning about my own incompetence in, in in a way like you're describing. And, and and certainly the idea of, of, of learning, that's a great point that I hadn't considered, which is, you're right, which is that if they can learn their own proper calibration, then that is a great benefit to them as well. So now the question to me is, I, I shared this idea with you, but then you said that you had a different approach that you would use. And well, you used even, a phrase even more which I, strongly. 
I, I said, I, I don't think about this. This isn't something yeah. that's ever come up for me. And, and the reason is that uh, I, I have a, a different way of solving this problem, um, which is more radical, um, sort of affects more things in the, in the organization, um, may or may not be comfortable for everyone to try, um, but that's a process called marking to market so that you, you have a way of measuring the uh, value of the software very, very frequently. Um, but I, I notice we're running low on time, so I'm wondering maybe we should uh, pick that up next time. What do you think, Jeffrey? Yeah, I would love to come back and, and, and hear your full explanation of, of, of marking to market and, and how you go about it. It sounds like a great concept, uh, I, at least just from the name. <laughs> so I, I want to hear more details. If you'd be willing to, uh, to talk about it next time, that would be fantastic. Excellent. Let's do that. So uh, if listeners feel like they might be a tryhard, or if they know some tryhards, or uh, if they'd like to improve their skills in detecting tryhards, or if they disagree and think, wait a minute, tryhards are great. We want more people who uh, have pizza boxes outside their offices and uh, uh, work hard <laughs> rather than um, have tremendous competence. That All of that would be really interesting, and, and I mean that genuinely. So if, if you have that view, uh, we'd really like to hear from you. Uh, and you can get in touch with us most easily at agileconversations.com. And there you'll find uh, our book and free videos and um, articles galore and hundreds of episodes of this podcast and our Twitter handles and email addresses. And um, you know, I think you can find my home address there. You can come visit me. So uh, <laughs> come and uh, uh, give us feedback and thoughts and ideas. That's where some of our very best episodes have come from. And of course, the other way to keep in touch is to come back next Wednesday when apparently we're going to be talking about Mark to Market on Troubleshooting Agile. See you then, Jeffrey. Thanks. Thanks, Will. Well.